Welcome to this podcast from the Bay Church. We hope you're blessed by the message. To find out more, please visit our website at www.the-bay-church.org.uk. Good morning, good morning. Anybody else just want to carry on in that place of looking into the eyes of Jesus? (laughs) What would he communicate to you this morning as he stands in front of you and he looks into your eyes? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. we just do this for the next 40 minutes? (laughs) 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 Okay. I was watching, um, how many of you have read The Shack, the book The Shack? How many of you have seen the movie? Oh my goodness. We watched it the other day and it like be warned, you need several boxes of tissues to watch it. I, have n- I don't think my boys have ever cried watching a movie before, and we were all completely undone. But there's a moment in that, in that film where, um, where the main character who's gone through a whole heap of trauma and so much pain and, and discomfort and, and just agony in his life, and he's sitting in the middle of a boat, and he just feels like this boat is sinking, and everything that has happened just starts coming into his mind. And basically the fear and the distress and the, the trauma um, is, is sinking him in this boat. And Jesus comes walking along the water and he goes, look at me, Mac, look at me, look at me. Don't focus on what's going on. Don't focus on what you're feeling. Don't focus on what's happened. Look at me. And that's all I could think about when we were singing that song. What would it be like if Jesus walked on the water towards me right now with my life in the boat that, that I'm in? And you know what he did with Mac? Mac looked up and he, he looked into the eyes of Jesus. And he realized that that boat wasn't sinking. <laughs> he realized that that was just fear, trying to, trying to get a grip of his, of his perspectives and everything. And he invited Mac to walk on the water with him. And that's the sense that I have this morning of like, you know, when we look into his eyes, yeah. yes, we feel his love. Yes, we feel his, his pleasure. His, he looks at us and he says, I'm especially fond of you. <laughs> and then he goes, come on, get out of the boat. Let's walk on this water together. And Mac just goes, what? I can't do that. And he goes, come on, with me, you can do anything. This morning, um, we're going to actually try and look at two of our core values. One is the fact that we are equipped with power because of what Jesus has done to do the works that he's called us to do on earth as it is in heaven. And we're also going to look at raising up the next generation of leaders, our responsibility as a church to actually um, influence the lives of those who, who are coming up who we can champion, who we can raise up 
and who get to, to exceed where we are at right now um, in terms of their leadership. One of the things I'm going to talk about is, um, unashamedly, I'm going to talk and use a lot of testimonies. Um, a lot of them are actually about my boys because I'm wanting to cover both of those topics um, and it illustrates how we're um, raising our boys to actually walk in power and to, to do more than we do. Um, so um, I'm not doing that to boast about um, us. I'm doing it because the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. <laughs> and uh, and I, wanna, I wanna just release testimonies um, about what, who Jesus is, of what he's done, and say, do it again, God. Yeah. Do it again and more yeah. in this place this morning. And uh, one of the ways that we, we flood our minds with testimonies in our house is um, we read books, we study um, revival history, we look at who's come before us and what they've, how they've made a way for us, and we, and we go, wow, look at what they did. Yes, we look at it in the Bible, we see, we see all of the stories of, of God demonstrating who he is and his power in the Bible, but then we see the revivalists that throughout history that have operated in that power and have done what he's asked them to do. And uh, I'm just saying this as well to give you a plug that in the new year, um, Jez and I want to, to start a pop-up group of basically saying, hey, let's study revivalists and revival history together. Let's look at some of the testimonies of these guys that have gone, when I say guys, I mean men and women, who've gone before us and, and actually get excited together about what, they, what they've seen and go, God, would you do that again in my life? Would you do that and more in my life? Help me to learn from the mistakes that they made so that we can actually uh, go further. And the reason I'm telling you about it now is because this, this is a great book um, about uh, the revivalists, some of the revivalists in history. And what we'll probably do is study one revivalist each month. So it doesn't have to be from this book, but this is the book that we'll probably use. So I'm telling you now, it's called God's Generals by Robert Lairdon, and it's the blue one, it's the first book in the series. Um, I'm telling you now, because what a great stocking filler, what a great Christmas present you can ask for so that everybody that wants to, to come and be a part of this can, can actually get hold of it, and we'll look at just one chapter a month, um, or one person a month, so if you've read this book, you get to study it in a different book, and bring that, and so the idea will be that you um, you find out about it yourself, and then you come and go, do you know what, this totally inspired me. This bit right here shocked me. This bit really challenges me. I feel like I've learned from his life in this bit. And then we just get to pray together and go, come on, God. Like, we want to be revivalists now. We want to see these things happen now. So that's a plug for, our, for, for something that we're going to do in the new year. If you want to talk to us more, grab hold of me and Jez. I'd love to know how many people are interested in that because part of me wants to just have it in my home and just have uh, times, if there's only a few of us wanting to do it, we'll do that. If there are a lot more, then we need to know that so that we can get a bigger venue. So please, if you're interested, come and chat to us and we will um, look forward to, to going after more of this together uh, in the new year. So, I'm gonna play a video that Dan um, made for us. Dan. Um, is often challenged at school about um, the fact that he believes in God, and they ask him, why do you believe in God, Dan? 
And he goes, because I've seen him move. I've seen what he does. I know who he is because I've seen the power of God work in people's lives. And he wanted to try and capture some of the things that he's seen. Um, so he put together just a few clips of some of the, the miracles that he's seen. And, uh, and I might talk you through it, but otherwise I'll just, just watch this video and see. I told you um, uh, a couple of months ago about um, how Dan was being mocked and ridiculed at school about believing in miracles, and, and one of his friends hurt his back in a PE lesson, and he said, come on, Dan, now would be a good time to, to do one of those miracles you've been talking about. And so Dan just reached down, says, no problem, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And this kid's face just drops open. <laughs> and he goes, how did you do that? Just recently, he, Dan finds himself in a, in a debate club uh, with his brother. They go every week and they debate all sorts of issues. And this week they were debating the existence of God and, and Dan was saying, I know he exists. I, I, I've seen him work. And um, without, um, th th you know, they're, they're going, yeah, right, yeah, right. So he just stands up in front of 50 people and he goes, all right, who's got pain in their body? <laughs> You see, in Luke 9 and Luke 10, if you want to open your Bibles, beginning of Luke 9, Jesus is sending out his 12 disciples and he says, he called them together and he gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. And then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Okay, that's these 12 disciples. In Luke 10, verse one, he chooses 72 other disciples and he sends them out in pairs. And verse nine says, he's commanding them, he's saying, heal the sick, tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. <laughs> and then, in, in Matthew, uh, right at the end of Matthew, verse 20, chapter, hang on. The Great Commission in, verse, in chapter 28, Jesus says, you see, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go, make disciples. And he says, um, teach them to obey all the commands I've given you. What did he command them? Oh yeah, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out the demons, announce that the kingdom of God is here. <laughs> In the last preach, uh, one of the last preaches I did, um, I talked about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Um, I don't wanna cover all the same stuff again. I talked a lot about how um, we, in the Old Testament, we see people anointed as a prophet or as a priest or as a king. And then Jesus comes and he um, is baptized in the Holy Spirit and he com becomes the ultimate prophet, priest, and king under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He's able to speak the words of God and uh, he's able to um, act as a priest, as a go-between, between those that don't know God 
and who he is and bring them into the presence of God. He's able to um, show us what intercession looks like as the ultimate priest. He's a, he, he then um, operates in, under the power of the anointing as, as a king in that place, bringing about um, ruling and reigning and establishing a land for the, for the king, for all that the king wants to happen in that place. And then he says to us, baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Now you go. You be prophet, priest, and king. You be one with me. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Paul, a couple of weeks ago, talked about how the Holy Spirit is always with us. From that point that we were celebrating just now, when you became a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes in us <laughs> and is, is on us, is in us for our sake and is on us for everyone else's. And he also mentioned the importance as well of, of those, those encounters with Holy Spirit where actually there's a, there's a continuing being filled with his presence. And, and I guess that's the sort of the other side of the coin that I want to look at today. You know, I do believe that everybody is f uh, that's become a Christian is filled with the Holy Spirit. I just don't think that everyone's operating in the power of the Holy Spirit because I think we would see a lot more. I don't believe that I'm operating in, under the power of the Holy Spirit the way he wants me to. And so what is it that we can learn today that where we can all walk out of here just a little bit more equipped with the power, where we can champion one another to, to be living in the dependence upon his power so that when we go into a place, we know that stuff's going to change, yeah. that things are going to happen. In, uh, in Luke 11, Jesus says, you know, if, you, um, if a good father knows how to give good gifts, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So if you hear nothing else today, I just want you to ask. <laughs> ask for more of his Holy Spirit. Ask for an anointing of, of greater power. See, Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit um, where he heard his father tell him what, what, who he is. And then he was led into the wilderness and, that, and some of those things were challenged in him. He was tested in, in areas. He had to make choices in, in that wilderness and he walked out of that place filled, yes, with the Holy Spirit, but filled with the Holy Spirit's power. There's something about conflict that brings about an establishment of the power of God in our lives. And I think if you, you're feeling like, whoa, what? What am I missing? What am I doing wrong? Do you know what? Sometimes you're not doing anything wrong. You just need to stand and believe that as you make that stand, the power of God is, is equipping you with everything that you need. And, you, and that, that conflict is somehow positioning you for greater power. <laughs> I... Uh, as you probably know, we lived in America for a few years, and because of that, we um, provision was was really tight. We struggled financially um, because it, because we basically gave up everything to go and and to study over there. And uh, we had we often had um, occasions where we were thinking, how are we going to afford this? Paying boys' school fees and our school fees and everything else. We had people come and stay with us, and we were thinking, how how are we going to afford to feed them? <laughs> And uh, 
it, there was there's so many testimonies I could tell you about how we saw God provide for us. I can remember one time in, in a supermarket where we were, we were walking around and Jez was going, no, we can't afford that. No, put that chocolate back. That's, that's not something that we need. Um, and eventually we kind of looked at each other and we realized that there was a poverty spirit <laughs> that we were just operating under and we were like, wow. And uh, we got to the checkout and I saw the, the woman in front of us with her children and she, she was loading her tro- from her trolley onto the, the checkout and she was, she was putting every bit of food that is the, the cheapest food, the stuff that just has no nutrition whatsoever, she was loading this food on and I was, my heart just began to break. I was like, wow, she's clearly got no money and she's trying to feed these kids and look at, look at how she's trying to feed them. And I just looked at Jez and I said, right, this poverty spirit gets broken right now. And we stepped up and we just paid for her shopping. In that, in that moment of just going, wow, we don't know how we can afford this. We're like, yep. God, God's heart of compassion for that woman stirred us. And we paid for her shopping. And then we put our food through the checkout. And the woman behind us steps forward and goes, boom, I pray for you. Pay for you. <laughs> and in that moment, we were like, okay, come on. When we refuse to live under that poverty mindset anymore. God, God is amazing at providing. And it reminded me of, of um, the wilderness when he led the Egyptian, when he led the um, Israelites out um, from Egypt and he was, he was taking them into the promised land, but, but they spent 40 years walking around and God was the fire at night. He was their cloud by day. He was providing food for them every, every day. They, f- they knew his presence with him. And you know, sometimes when you live in a supernatural environment, you're like, wow, this is it. God's showing up. He's right there. Look at that. Look, he's just provided this next meal for me. And I realized that actually that's not the supernatural lifestyle that God has for us. There are times like that. There might be seasons of that when we get to see him provide and break things. But actually, he's leading us to the promised land. (coughs) What's the difference you see, I realized that, that so much of our testimonies in that time was about, it was about me. It was about what we needed as a family. It was about the now. And yet you walk into the, into the promised land and you realize it's about the future. It's about what he's establishing. It's about a land that he's giving you where you can actually go and you can receive what he's already put there. And you can um, conquer those giants that are in that land and destroy them through the work of the Holy Spirit, you can get rid of those giants so that you can actually occupy a land that provides an inheritance for the next generation. And I think that we're equipped with the power of the Holy Spirit to destroy the works of the enemy. (laughs) And part of that is healing the sick. Because do you know what? There's no sickness in heaven. So the way we destroy the works of the enemy is we step up and we say, be healed in Jesus' name. Right there, boom, the sickness goes and the enemy has lost his power in that moment. <clears throat> I think there, there are lots of ways that we destroy the enemy, where we conquer those giants in our land. And, uh, and one of those is, is the way that we choose to love rather than hate. It's the way that we act in kindness because the kindness of God leads people to repentance. <laughs> There are lots of ways of destroying the enemy in our land and they come through choices that we make, through choosing relationship 
rather than concentrating on whether we're right or wrong, we're choosing relationship and, and destroying that whole judgment thing that, um, that the enemy wants to, to tie us into. We choose to operate in faith rather than fear. Because do you know what? The enemy loves to make us afraid. <coughs> it says in, in uh, John 6, somebody asked Jesus, what's the will of the Father? He says, believe in me. You know, I, I found this quote this morning from, from Smith Wigglesworth, and it says, I'm assuming most of you know who Smith Wigglesworth is. Yeah. It, it says here, um, he operated in phenomenal power. But um, it says, Wigglesworth Miggles, <laughs> didn't settle <coughs> for hoping that prayer would work. He didn't settle for hoping that prayer would work. His revelation on faith was concrete melting the most hardened sinner to the love of Jesus Christ. Smith's theory on faith was simple. Only believe. <coughs> he says there is something about believing God that makes God willing to pass over a million people just to anoint you. <laughs> you see, if you do nothing else this morning, you leave here today. Ask for more and believe who he is. Believe in Jesus. <laughs> Look at him in the, in the face every morning as he calls you out of that boat. <laughs> believe in the one that God sent. <clears throat> is it true to say that it's all about God and his power? Is it true to say that it's the grace of God, the empowering presence of God in our life that enables us to be all that we're called to be and do all that we're called to do? Is it true to say that he's almighty <laughs> and it's all about him and his grace? Yes, <laughs> absolutely it's true. Is it true to say that his power is made perfect in our weakness? Anybody feeling weak today? Anybody feeling like, what? Like... Wish I was like Dan. <laughs> yeah. Guess what? Perfectly positioned if you're feeling weak for the power of God to come and flow through your life because it's all about him and his power and his glory flowing through you. I just, just gave it away then because my second point was, is it true to say that he requires us to step up, to be used by him? Yeah. Yeah. Is it true to say that he's commissioning co us, he's, he's, he's sending us into those places and, and flowing through us? Yes, it's all about him, but yes, it's all about us showing up, stepping out, being willing to be used and letting his power flow through us. And because of that, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> he builds trust in our lives. He longs to actually take us, just in the same way that my boys stand to inherit everything that, that is mine and Jez's. They could live with this awareness of actually everything that we own is theirs. It's true. But we're not going to give them all of our money right now because they're kids. They'd buy something ridiculous with it. <laughs> but actually, we're teaching them a responsibility with money. We're teaching them how to, to make powerful choices with money. And I think that God is actually doing that in our lives. He's giving us, he's showing us 
things of going, wow, look at what you did then. Look at how I can trust you. Just like the parable of the talents, he goes, wow, here's, here's what you did with that. Right now, I'm going to bless you with more. And so often, I can identify with that person that's given those talents and just goes and buries it because of fear. Just goes, what if I mess it up? What if I can't do it? What if, what if, what if, what if? And actually, that doesn't end well, does it? I want to be, be somebody that, that is building trust with Holy Spirit, that is operating in, in obedience with him when he says the little things, the tiny things that nobody will ever know about. I just go, yes, I'll do that, Holy Spirit. And he goes, oh, Nick, I'm so proud of you. And then he's building that trust and that responsibility, and so I step into a bit more and a bit more. It is about us, and it's about us being, being like a pipe that actually requires us to, to get rid of some of the, the gunk, the small-minded thinking that, that limits us, limits that, that flow of his power. There's a, there's a challenge for us to actually be conduits of power that, that um, allow him to, to flow through us more and more. And uh <coughs> that's about choices. I keep um, mentioning choices, but in 28th of September 1996, I made a choice. I chose this man over here. <laughs> I chose to be his wife. Yeah, he's pleased about it. That's good. <laughs> you see, I was asked the question, do you take this man to be your lawful wedded husband? Will you love him? Will you honor him? Will you forsake all others and be faithful to him as long as you both shall live? And I said, I do. But that was a, a choice I made once. And a good marriage looks like choice, making that choice every day. And I think it's the same with Holy Spirit. I think we choose on that day of salvation to step in and to enter into a relationship with him and actually to be filled with his presence, who's with us always. But every day we choose. We choose you, Holy Spirit. Yeah. We choose you to fill us. Yeah. We choose to, to, to love you and honor you. And actually, there's a, there's a marriage that's building. There's a trust that's developing. There's an intimacy that's growing. Yeah. And, and from that place, from those little choices every day, we get to operate in more and more of his power. My um, boys had a conversation with a teacher the other day in their school, and they'd, they'd heard about... Um, Zoe and, and how Zoe had died and they were asking them the question how do you believe in the goodness of God when you prayed for her to be healed and she died <laughs> and my boys threw tears in their eyes because it was one of the hardest conversations they'd had at school looked at their teacher and said you will not persuade us that he's not good They said, you will not persuade us that he wanted her to be sick and that he wanted her to die. And then they step up and say, but you know what? We're going after more because we didn't see it. So we're going we're gonna to go after it even harder. 
we want to position our lives so that actually his power does flow through us. And they came in and told me that story. And as you can probably guess, I just burst into tears. Because I'd never sat my kids down and said, this is what we're going to believe. This is how we're going to deal with this. But what they saw through living through all of what we're living through at the moment, in the tension, in the suffering, in the pain of not seeing stuff, they position themselves. They make a choice. And they go, we're going to go even harder. And there's a tension. (laughs) And it hurts. And you know what? There's something about us engaging with that pain, not shoving it under the carpet, not kind of wishing it hadn't happened and ignoring it, but going, where are you, God? Where are you in this pain? Because Zoe's not here. (laughs) Because we've not seen the breakthroughs we want to see right now. And there's something beautiful about sitting with that pain and with that tension. And God looks at you and watch the shack. (laughs) If you want to encounter this more, this is what happened to us the other night. There's something of how God meets you in that pain and in that brings about a redemption that positions you for more of that power. So how do we equip people to lead well? people that are, that are rising up around us. How do we, as a church, let me blow my nose. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's where I require the sound man to kill it quickly. Anyway. I think there are, there are lots of things that we do um, with our family and with those that we're raising up. One of the, the things I ask all the time is, what's God saying? what are you doing about it? We're teaching people to hear his voice and to obey him because it's about relationship. <laughs> and we're wanting to raise up leaders who, who, who are it's all about relationship with him and relationship with others. What's he saying to you? People so often come to me and go, Nick, what shall I do? And I go, what's God saying? Because I want to equip them with that ability to hear his voice, to follow what he's saying and to obey him. I want to teach people to dream beyond what's, what's possible, what they can actually achieve. I want to teach um, the leaders raising up that actually there's something incredibly important about dreaming. And I think this might be a word for our church. <laughs> I've probably told you the story about the day that I sat Dan down and I said, Dan, what do you dream about doing? He said, Mom, I dream about m- making videos and I dream about writing music. And the next day, we're walking along saying, how are you going to raise money for your Mexico missions trip? What are you going to do? And, uh, and he goes, I don't know. And I say, why don't you write some music? Write a song. So he goes, yeah, right. Goes inside, sits down, 20 minutes. 20 minutes, he writes a song with harmonies and records it. And as a result of that song, he raises $10,000 for his missions trip. Actually, over that. And as a result of doing that, he shares the testimony and he's given a professional video camera. You actually can't make it up. (laughs) That's just one of Dan's testimonies about dreaming. Oh, I want to tell you more. (laughs) Ask him. 
Ask him to share you the testimonies about what happens when he dares to dream. It is crazy, and it's crazy for me and Jez to try and um, parent him because his dreams are off the wall, much, much bigger, and we're going, oh. And somehow God just keeps using him. You know, if you've been coming along on a Sunday night, we, um, we've been having difficulty with our plumbing, could not fix it. We knew, both me and Jez, we knew that God was telling us, you're trying everything, and this isn't about you. It's about what I'm about to do. <laughs> we knew it, we just hadn't seen it. And, uh, and Dan goes to bed one night, and he has a dream, and he, and he sees God fixing our plumbing. And he tells Jez in the morning, we've had four weeks of, no, of our plumbing not working. Dan has a dream, and he get, we, we go upstairs, and guess what? It's all completely restored. Having spent four weeks and buying all sorts of equipment to fix it, <laughs> trying everything we knew to do, just to do, I didn't do anything. <laughs> Dan, Dan dreams one night with God, and he sees God fixing the plumbing. And we w- that morning, and I love it because Jez's parents were there, so they got to be part of the testimony and see God do that. It's really important. Dreaming. Ask somebody that you're raising up right now, what are their dreams? How can you partner with their dreams? How can you champion them to keep believing for those things that are bigger than they can possibly imagine? So much about raising up the next generation and what I've been talking about in terms of being equipped with power is, is about taking risk. It's about stepping out in faith and believing. And I, um, I do this very deliberately with the people that I'm raising up. I was away at a conference um, a few months ago and with somebody, and I, I said to them, okay, are you up for a challenge? And they kind of look at me with these wide eyes of terror, and I say, let's do some risk dares today. I dare you to give somebody a prophetic word today before you leave this building. And they kind of looked at me as if to say, don't, don't make me do it. And I'm like, it's your choice. <laughs> but wouldn't that be fun? But at the end of the day, to just see how you've stepped out beyond your comfort zone and stepped into something where you require God to show up. And uh, they end up giving this prophetic word right at the end of the day, I might add. But anyway, that's okay. Um, they, they give this word, and guess what? A couple of weeks ago, the person who they gave the word to walks into church. I'm like, you can never imagine what God's going to do. In those moments, even when you're playing a game with somebody and you're going, come on, let's step out, let's do this. We're constantly trying to teach people to take risks, to step beyond uh, what's comfortable. And, uh, and it's scary and it's messy. And when they take risks, my boys often take risks. Uh, it doesn't always work out well. <laughs> but they come home and they're like, okay, so this happened today. And, and Jez and I look at what they've done and how they've stepped out and they get celebrated in that moment. Not because of of what they saw or didn't see, but because they took a risk. And Dan knows he gets a really good pudding that night. (laughs) 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 See, everything that we, we do to, to raise up the next generation is also um, in the context of family. And those um, who we're very intentionally raising up right now know that. They know that they have access to our family. Um, because there's something about 
the covering that family provides. There's something about how when you when you're embraced into a family, you see all the good bits and all the bad bits. You see how they get to operate through the stuff that's not going well as well as the stuff that is. I actually I don't know how to to effectively raise up people um, for in leadership without really doing that, without providing a covering for them to take those risks. Um, somebody said to me the other day, uh, when we, we were talking about this, they said, I said to them, what do you need to be raised up and what do you need for more power in your life? And they said, Nick, I need to take risks, but I need to take risks in the context of community. I need to have a, a, a group of people around me who are, who are championing me and who are celebrating me when I get it wrong. And there's something about choosing today to actually embrace people as sons and daughters and go, hey, I wanna see you be all that you, you can be. And the, and the scary bit for us, as you can probably tell with some of these testimonies I've shared, is that they start, my kids start where it's taken me 40 years to get to. <laughs> Josh is in a, in a healing, um, he's, he's learning about healing, and, and he, um, he, he gets it, he's, he's understanding the concepts of who he is and who God is and how God loves to work through him, and he, he walks past somebody and his shadow goes over them, and boom, they're healed. I'm like, hang on a minute, thought it was about building trust and relationship, and, and, and do you know what? There's a generation that are rising up who are operating now where it's taken us years to get to. And they're just doing it. They're stepping out. They're taking the risks. They're kids. <laughs> and we get to go, come on. I don't have to understand why. I'm just going to go, let's lift you up to be way bigger than I am so that you get to take this further and you get to raise up the next generation of leaders who go further than you. I am excited about being equipped with power. Us as a church are excited about the fact that we are not waiting for heaven, that actually we get to see heaven come to earth now. And we're not, just in the same way I talked about belonging, we're not there yet. We're seeing some stuff, but there's so much more. And we're not there yet with raising up leaders. There's so much more that we can do as a church to get hold of people, to champion them, to cover them so that they can grow and be all that they can be, to celebrate their risking, to help them to be obedient with what God's saying. There's so much more that we can do as a church, but we're, it's what we want. It's where we're going, and it requires every one of us to choose whether we want more of this or not, because we get to do it. When I was thinking about um, this today um, I had a, a picture because I felt like God was saying you know Nick fear is something that restricts all of this stuff from taking place fear and disappointment about what we've not seen and uh, I was like yeah I, I just I would love God, for people to encounter you today so that, so that a bit more of that fear just goes, 
so that perfect love comes out in today and fills you so that you operate in, in much more of all that he's called you to do. I, uh, I was struggling this, this morning, really, really scared to step up here for whatever reason. And I, I spotted some of the mothers and fathers in this room and they looked at me. They put their arms around me. They got me in that back corner and, and prayed for me. There's something about being loved on, even in this fellowship, that causes us to go, do you know what? We're not going to be afraid. We're going to recognize that we're loved and that we're loved. <laughs> and we're going to do it, what he's asked us to do. And I had a picture of, um, and I just want to end with this. Um, I had a picture of Christians, I suppose, um, being plugged into three different, almost like power sources. There was a, there was a plug that was um, going into um, f- like fear, I suppose. And that, that fear, let me, get, let me just get the picture so that I don't mess this up. Um, that fear was very much connected to lies, lies of the enemy, lies of your, um, your identity and uh, of how, how you can feel like I'm, I'm not worthy. I can't do it. Like God uses other people, he doesn't use me. There's a powerlessness that, um, that, it, that is the victim mentality that just goes, I, I have no options, I don't know what to do, I can't choose. I felt like God was, gonna, was wanting to unplug some people that felt as if they were it was some way connected to lies and fear that was, that was just stopping them from, from uh, being plugged into the power of God. And the other plug that I saw was this, was this plug that was plugged into self-reliance that believed that it was something about us, that believed that, it was, that we had to be good enough that we had to perform well enough in order for God to use us. And I just feel like God just wants to go, do you know what? Let's unplug both of those things today. And let's plug in afresh to the, to the power of the cross, to the power of the resurrected Jesus, who's not on the cross, <laughs> and go, let's leave this place plugged in to the resurrection life of God that flows through us, <laughs> that's done everything so that we could know his power at work in our lives. So, should we do that? <laughs> I'll tell you what, why don't you stand? Holy Spirit, thank you that you're here. And we just ask for more of you. Hmm. Jesus, we just say we believe in you. We believe that you are who you say that you are. We believe that you've done what you've said that you've done. We believe that you're in us, (laughs) one with us. And God, where people are plugged in to um, any kind of religious spirit of, of um, self-reliance, 
of, of it's about me, it's about what I can conjure up within me of what's, uh, I've just got to work harder, I've just got to do more, I've just got to be good enough to be used by God. We just choose right now to switch off that plug, to take the plug out, and to actually, to say this morning, God, would you uh, break any kind of connection with that power source that we're not, we're not interested in that. We recognize that that's not what you have for us. And we recognize, God, that there's, there's also a, a plug that is connected to lies and fear. It's what the enemy loves us to, to, um, to get from him. And we we just choose in this moment together to say no to the, to the hideous lies of the enemy that would say that we're not good enough, that would say that, we, um, that we're unworthy, that we've done too much wrong, that we can't be used. How could God use us? <laughs> we just break the lies of the enemy that would seek to, to restrict us and to paralyze us in fear that would keep us bound to, us, to, a, to the fear of man and to be more bothered about what men think about us than what God thinks about us. Actually, that is a big one, and we just say no to that right now. We say no to the fear of man in what operating in my life. And we do that by switching off that plug and unplugging it from the wall. <laughs> Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for unplugging that right now. And instead, God, we ask for a fresh anointing of you. We choose to plug ourselves in to the, the truth of the resurrected life of Jesus. We say, <laughs> Jesus, you've done it all. We love you, Jesus. The cross speaks a better word in every situation in life. There is nothing that is beyond the redemption of Jesus. There is no pain. There is no suffering. There is no sickness. There is no power on earth that is above the name of Jesus. And we bow to your name, Jesus, today in this place. And we say, would you plug us in with that fresh power of your resurrected life flowing through our veins. Let us know right now an infilling of you, Holy Spirit, that doesn't just give us a little measure but flows out of us. <laughs> that enables us that everywhere we go, we destroy the works of the enemy and we take that promised land, we take that ground that you have for us and for our future and for our inheritance. Yeah. We say, would you raise up a generation of leaders, God, in this house? Would you help us to raise up powerful leaders who know who they are and who operate on a way bigger level than we do, that we get to champion them and celebrate them, God? <laughs> in Jesus' name, for your glory, God. Amen.